Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Buck. I write for The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Daytona 500 winner Austin Sindrick. If you don't know much about Austin, he's a very intelligent guy. I think he has a good uh, perspective and also a sense of humor, so a good combination there. Hopefully you will enjoy the 12 questions. Let's see what you think. All right, I'm here with Austin Sindrick. Austin, how are you doing? Pretty good. Nice sunny day in Talladega. I know it's uh, feels happy. Feels this good. is a happy place. <laughs> uh, well, last time you were at a big super speed like this, it was also a happy place. So I'm happy to have you on for the 12 questions. Uh, the first question is, how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes? Um, honestly, it doesn't bother me as much as you'd think it would because. My knees are already pegged against the seat in front of me anyway, so I don't really have anywhere to go. So if you lean your seat back, I'm still just as crammed as I was before. So um, actually, in some cases, depending on the plane, it actually has it's a nice headrest. <laughs> you you have the forward headrest. You just have to trust the person in the seat for not bouncing around. You kind of have to zerb a while, and then okay, if you trust the guy for not moving around, that's that's when you go for it. I've never heard that. I've never heard or even considered that, but that that makes a lot of sense. How often do you get recognized at the grocery store? Um, actually, every time I go. Oh, wow. Um, just I live in like Race City, USA. So um, I usually run into most of the people are people that I know that I'll run into, like people from the team or another race team. Uh, there's the occasional like person who watches racing that'll, you know, say hi or stare or whatever. Um, so that's been that's been new for me. How do you react to the staring? Um, really awkwardly. <laughs> just, just stare right back. Like, are we gonna? No, it's immediate avoidance. <laughs> oh, just avoidance. <laughs> uh, on a scale one to ten, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner? Ooh, uh, depends on the context. Um, I will reply, but it takes a while. It's usually before. Um, I usually reply before it's irrelevant anymore. But if it's not like relevant in the moment, I, I, I might push it back. Okay. All right. Is that what accurate? is accurate? <laughs> okay. Your PR, Jess Morse, was laughing at that entire question all the way through. So <laughs> I always follow through. <laughs> uh, what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who won't stop talking? I guess the best strategy is just stop responding. Eventually, they'll notice that they're the only ones talking. Even in person, you'll just be like, just nodding, and then they'll just peter out after a while. Pretty much. <laughs> That's, that makes you sense. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I like your the, the awkwardness, I feel like, is a common theme through this, you know, whether it's people staring or whatever, and it's just like, it works. It works over and over again. Yep. Yeah. Combat awkwardness with awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. 
If you could pick only one form of social media to use and drop all the rest, which would it be? Uh, Instagram. Oh, Instagram guy. Okay, why is that? Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like it's a bit more casual than uh, than like Twitter is. Like obviously Twitter is like information, but it's also like I feel like pl people recognize it as like a platform to voice their opinions. And when I'm in my downtime, sometimes I don't really care to hear everyone's opinion. So whether if it's on my own things or other things, but. Um, whereas I feel like Instagram, like I, I'm a more visual person, so I think that kind of makes sense with the platform. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made? Um, is there a specific reason why you're asking me this question? No, not no. It's not. <laughs> Should I be offended by that question? <laughs> uh, no, I think for me, like obviously it's easier said than done. But like I'm, I'm always someone that just analyzes. You know, did I do everything? that I could to prevent that. If not, what could I have done? And then did I do everything to prepare myself so I was armed with the ability not to make that error? Because it's one thing like to make a mistake but not be prepared to avoid it. So, you know, how do you add that to your preparation? How do you add that to what you're doing, you know, to where that doesn't happen next time? So other than that, like, yeah, then emotionally you'll get over it. And uh, for me, I, I'm fairly logical, so I guess once I come to those log logical conclusions and then get over myself, then that's usually all it takes. Okay. Uh, so this next one's a wild card question where I'm mixing it up for each person. And uh, people say that, you know, the Daytona 500 is life-changing. They're like, oh, somebody's life is going to change today. You won it. Did your life change? And if so, how? And how has it not changed? Uh, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, it hasn't changed. I mean, I, I, I feel like career-wise, um, you know, I get introduced a different way. Instead of rookie driver Austin Sindrick, I'm Daytona 500 winner Austin Sindrick, which I feel like that carries a lot more weight. So um, it's obviously the gift that keeps on giving in a lot of ways. Like when I won the Xfinity Championship, I definitely experienced that as, as far as, you know, what it means to be a champion versus just, you know, a contender um, in, in the eyes of, of, of observers and, and, and those in the sport or those, you know, outside of the direct bubble. But inside of the direct bubble and that's my race team and and kind of our goals for the year like yeah it's, it's certainly impacted that on on, on paper but uh I, I think you know where i need to grow and where i need to learn you know is still still is very much real uh that doesn't cancel any of that out so um i i feel like i've been at least fairly measured on that approach and i i got some good perspective last year doing cup races knowing that this isn't going to be easy <laughs> um and uh and trying to figure out those steps to take to make that learning process as efficient as possible. Okay. Uh, if someone blatantly wrecked you to win a race, would you interrupt their celebration? I say in anything like that, it ha ju justification ha like it has to be justifiable action. Like you can you can look at like last week with with Reddick and, and Briscoe. Like uh, I think I think Tyler had every justification to be as probably as mad as humanly possible, and I think there's. 90% of the garage that probably would have dealt with that issue in a significantly different way, especially given, you know, the scenario in which you had done it and the fact that, not to pick on him, but Chase has already done that before, you know, as far as taking out the leader of the race, trying to race for the win. So um, I, I know that, that th those, those things don't pass very easily in this garage. So um, I, I would say the justification and the situation are, are two very key elements. Okay. What movie do you think you've seen the most times over the last year? I haven't been watching too many movies lately. Um, since August, I have been binge watching every episode of Naruto. 
of ever what? made. Naruto. Is that anime? Okay. I say that like regrettably, but yes, it is. No, I, I don't. I don't judge on that at all. No. Okay. Oh, I judge myself some days. Oh, but okay. Like, <laughs> like that's literally all I've been watching, just because there's so many episodes and they're like 20 minutes long. So. How How did you get into anime? Have you always been into it? There was definitely a, a progression. So the the Avatar: The Last Airbender was like one of my favorite shows as a kid. It was on Nickelodeon, and I just happened to like come across it on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like I haven't watched it, so I like I was bored, so I just clicked on an episode. And then I end up like binge watching like the entire series, like total nostalgia. And then uh, then there was like a follow up series that they did that like I was too old to watch, so I ended up watching that, like The Legend of Korra. So I watched that all the way through. And then I was like, just kind of into the, you know, the animation and all of it. And like, I like also having like the short episodes because like, like you get home at the end of the day, it's a long day, you want to sit in bed, but you don't want to watch like an hour long thing. Like mm -hmm. you want to watch something 20 minutes and like fall asleep. And so that was kind of attractive. And um, I'd always like seen Naruto and like Cartoon Network and stuff. And it was also on Netflix, like suggested, you know, you should watch this. So then I watched, you know, first couple episodes. All right, let's see, see if I like this. This is probably a bit more over the edge as far as like you know Japanese anime and then you go and watch you know the entire Naruto season and then you gotta get Hulu to watch the Shippuden seasons and then <laughs> you know at episode 240 at like the turning point of the season they end up cutting all the dubbed versions so you can only watch them in Japanese unless you go to this pirated website and watch them all and so I've got that lined up to where I, now I watch them all for free um, and I've got three episodes left after watching all that since August. So um, there's, there's over 200. Uh, there's 500 just 500 in Putin. So uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Like I said, oh I've, my gosh. I probably expanded a little too much, too more than my comfort level. But uh, it's uh, I've enjoyed it. It's kind of fun, and now I'm like really invested in it. Like the last couple episodes are kind of just like really cheesy wrapping everything up. But like. I've spent this much time watching. Oh, I, need, yeah. I need to, you know, see the full conclusion. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, when you think about NASCAR five years from now, what are you the most optimistic about and what worries you the most? Um, I'm optimistic about the schedule because I think we have a car that is in a platform. And I think as the teams adapt in that way, something that's really applicable in a lot of areas obviously we were able to bring last year or last generation car a lot of different racetracks but kind of kind of worked kind of didn't whereas like i wouldn't think twice about taking this car to a street course and you know you look at what they did with the clash and and, and bringing the party to the people and and to me that's what street course racing is and um so i i'd be optimistic to see you know different tracks on the schedule um and different different types of racing and i feel like there's very few tracks in my opinion that um necessarily benefit other than from like a you know uh, the city itself from having two races a year um because i i think there's so many different tracks across the country and like the variety is what makes the schedule special the variety i feel like is what 
makes a race fan tune in every week because they're going to get something different. Like we raced Bristol Dirt last week. We're going to be on Talladega racing, you know, four wide tomorrow. Yeah. And, and you don't like IndyCar has a fairly diverse schedule, but not not to this degree. Um, and, and I mean, even with dirt races, you know, you, I'm probably 50-50 on whether or not that's something that we need. Like I feel like you can make a pretty good argument. There's some really, really good dirt racing in the country that's pretty scienced out. And if you're into that, go go enjoy that. Go mm -hmm. enjoy the grassroots stuff because you probably have to be a diehard fan to get into it anyway. Um, but otherwise, I, I think I think the schedule is something that I'm really interested to see how it, how it kind of evolves because you have seen it evolve away from kind of the traditional um, schedule as far. I mean, you think about how many. How many less, you know, mile and a half races we have a year, and, and, and how many, how many more road courses we have now versus like, I mean, when I started racing in in, in stock cars, like, it's it's a lot different. So, um, just that continue the progression. I'm excited about. Okay. Um, so Magic Genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over, but you get to retain all the knowledge and experience you have now. So, do you go back and take that opportunity, or do you stay where you are? That's a tough question. Um, I mean, there's certainly a, a part of me that's like, oh yeah, if, if I was to start over with the knowledge that I have, then I'd be kicking butt. But you know, the only way you attain that, and I feel like this is the most standard answer, but the only way you attain that knowledge is through trial and error and going through the experiences. And um, I feel like that all those experiences are what shape a driver. It's what shaped me for who I am and what I prioritize and what I value. And so. And that way, I'm, I'm not sure I'd find myself in any other position than what I am now. But um, otherwise, it'd be—I probably would have had a lot more fun as a kid if I would have <laughs> known if I would have known what I was doing. Because otherwise, I was—I was usually struggling, you know, to figure it out for quite a while, just because I probably started a little late. Okay. Um, so each week, I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. The last one I did was with Sergio Perez from F1, and his question is: uh, Do you like F1? And if so, why do you like it, or why not? Uh, do you not like it? Uh, I do like Formula One. I found myself paying attention to Formula One probably more in the last three or four years than I have most of my life. I mean, growing up a, a huge IndyCar fan, um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to kind of go anywhere else to see that style of racing. Uh, not that I do now, um, but and I don't watch any of the Drive to Survive stuff just because I don't know. I, I I can't get into it, but um, obviously I know that's what a huge reason why their popularity has grown, but. Um, I feel like they do a great job at um, providing the viewers information and some of it's because the races are significantly less on track entertainment as they are you know in qualifying um, so I feel like they do a good job in their broadcast as far as like giving information keeping the fans informed with strategy and to where you can observe and, and get into it even though it's you know they're spread out over you know 10 seconds per position um, so uh, I'm actually going to go to the, the F1 race in Canada this year because uh, it's on our off weekend. I've never been to an F1 race, so I'm um, excited to kind of experience that for the first time and uh, kind of see what they do differently. Like, you know, I, I, the European mentality as far as motorsports is concerned is, 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 is a bit different, and um, I've kind of been exposed to that a little bit, but I think F1 is definitely the extreme of that. Okay. Um, so the next interview I'm doing is with Kyle Larson. Uh, do you have a question I can ask Larson? Would you do the Indy 500, and how soon? Okay. That'll give me an excuse to ask that, because I think everybody wants to know that anyway. So thank you for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. All right, everybody, there you have it. 
uh, Austin Cindric on the 12 questions, and I learned a lot more about Japanese anime than I knew before. But like I said, I don't judge people for that. You have to have everybody's, you know, your own interests. I feel like lately in, in the world, uh, we've gotten to this point where too many, you know, people say, I like something. I like this. I like that. And people like want to take shots at it or shoot it down. That's stupid. Why do you like that? You know what I mean? Whether it's TV show, movie, music, sport, whatever. Let, let people like what they like. Austin Cindric likes anime. Good for him. He's into it. He enjoys it. I think it's great. Anyways, you did hear there, the next interview will be with Kyle Larson, so that will be right here next week. Get to ask him the Indy 500 question. I don't even have to take the heat for it because Austin asked, so it's not on me. It's not on me, Kyle. Anyway, if you enjoy these interviews and want to support our work on The Athletic, you can become a subscriber. We have lots of great stuff coming up, including we'll be on the ground for the F1 race in Miami. You can read all our coverage from there. Check out the latest deals by going to theathletic.com slash 12 questions. Some pretty sweet deals right now for new subscribers. Anyway, appreciate you as always for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.